Before we get into today's episode, we want to tell you that the ESPN College Football Podcast is now five days a week. Hosts Kurt Herbstreet, David Pollock, and Kevin Nagande are back and joined this year by Reese Davis, Matt Barry, Paul Feinbaum, Booger McFarland, and Joey Galloway. From weekend reaction to Monday morning previews, the ESPN College Football Podcast has it covered by the voices and perspectives you want to hear from. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Also, We've been telling you for weeks now. The Peabody and Emmy Award-winning 30 for 30 film series presents Once Upon a Time in Queens, a four-part documentary event about the city, the swagger, and the wild ride of the 1986 Mets. This documentary explores the epic tale of one of baseball's most dominant and iconic teams in their legendary World Series comeback. Hear from former Mets players and fans, including Dal Strawberry, Keith Hernandez, Bill Burr, Cindy Lauper, and more. All four parts of Once Upon a Time in Queens are available to stream on ESPN Plus and the ESPN app immediately. Hey guys, welcome to today's DC and RC. We'll preview Furry versus Wilder 3, but first, we got to preview this weekend's fight between Mackenzie Dern and Marina Rodriguez. Now, as we spin forward to this weekend, we talk about a person that things have turned cha- for quickly, Mackenzie Dern. Mackenzie Dern started in the UFC, was fighting great, lost the fight. People were ready to write her off, but now she's submitting everybody, and now she finds herself tied for fourth with Yao Shanon, and she's fighting Marina Rodriguez, or Rodriguez, because in Brazilian they say H for R's, for Marina Rodriguez this weekend at the Apex. When you look at this fight, and you look at Rodriguez with her fantastic striking, and you look at Mackenzie Dern with her unbelievable grappling, it's one of those fights where it feels, honestly, for the most part, like specialists. Right. Even though Rodriguez is a very good grappler in her own right, and Mackenzie is willing to stand a strike, it would not benefit her to stay standing for too long, and it would not benefit Rodriguez to be on the ground for too mm-hmm. long. So what's the excitement level right. for the straw weights as they go into the octagon this weekend? Well, I mean, the, the excitement level is who stylistically can make the other person fight their fight, right? And I think that's that's always what I, I pay attention to, like who can stay up. Like I think back to uh, Anderson Silva, uh, Damian Maya. Damian Maya is laying on the ground. Anderson Silva was walking away and walking around because he didn't want to be a part of that fight. And Damian Maya didn't want to be a part of a fight that stayed on his feet. And I remember Dana White being ticked off because he felt like yeah, Anderson man. Silva through a few <laughs> fights wasn't exciting. But why would he go to the ground with Damian Maya when you know that's exactly what he wants to do? And so both of these women are going to have to step into the octagon and figure out how to draw the other person into my fight. How do I get an opportunity to excel at what I do well? And I think that's part of the matchmaking of the UFC, but it's also Mm -hmm. part of the training camp. It's part of the understanding of getting people to come to me. Like I understood that if I'm guarding Randy Moss, I need to make sure I take away the deep ball and make him play my game, which is physicality. He also understood he wanted to get me one-on-one in space. I I like that. I like that. I like that. Yeah, listen. Like RC, you gave him that physical? You gave him that physical RC? Hey. You got yeah. physical with Moss? And, and, I, and I also called Troy and Ike over so we could double team him on the deep balls. See, ain't no double teaming. <laughs> ain't no double teaming in the octagon, bro. It's just, it's just, it's just like, you and him. That must have been crazy looking at Randy Moss across the line of, like, how y'all gonna stop this dude? Well, you know what, what happened, DC? 
I would just understand that some people leave the hospital with more, and Randy Moss left the hospital with a little more speed oh, yeah, than RC had. So a we lot. just made, hey, we made sure we made it ugly and physical. But Mackenzie Dern is, we know that she's a submission specialist. We know that if she mm -hmm. gets this to the ground, this could be over. But there's also some other people that have fought in the UFC, DC, uh, okay. who, who okay. are submission specialists, who are the people mm -hmm. that we look at and say, you know what? You don't want to go to the ground with this person because the fight could be over quickly so as usual you know we take it back to the last the last rankings we had the bmf draft right this isn't a draft bmf draft i absolutely blow you out your your team isn't even close right like you you kept talking and you were like okay ain't no way that dc's team beats rc teams you get to the end and you pick the whole diaz mafia because i'm beating you so badly you remember that you don't remember that i do i do rc but wait a minute now i'm gonna ask you something to this point, you've been very cordial in letting me go first. Now, are you going first this time? Are you going first? This Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So, okay. so here's what happened. So Corporate Jake is texting me, and he's getting my list. And he's kind of going through it. And I was like, well, okay, so how does it work? Is it a draft? He's like, no, it's not a draft. You're going to put the list up. And he says that you go first. And I immediately was like, come on, bro. Thanks a lot. Because I know what's going to happen is you're going to do your list, right? And then yes, we're going yes, to have yes. some of the same names, and everybody's going to be like, oh, RC's a casual. He just took DC's okay. list. And hell no, nah, I ain't going for it. Right? Okay, so, let's go. Then let so, me hear it. So I'm going to give you my list. Brother. So I'm going to start from the bottom, right? Can I start from the bottom, Corporate okay. Jake? Or do I need to start from the top? You can start from the bottom. Starting from the bottom at number five, I'm going Frank Mir. Right? The old sleepy name. Somebody somebody you ain't think about, right? You got to think about the submission on Nog. I was, that was at, uh, what, 140? I think Dana White said it was like the greatest submission of all time. Wait, wait, wait. You're dropping, you're dropping events now? Now you're dropping events. It, it was, that was oh the event it was. Just because you, hey, you can't remember. Now, at number four, this people going to sleep on this one, DC, because I know you're going to sleep on this one. And don't try to steal it for your list. Ronda Rousey at her prime. At her prime, that arm bar was the scariest submission in the sport. Nobody wanted to go to the ground with Ronda, and you know it. Ronda just forgot and started trying to fight everybody on their feet, and that's when we got Holly Holm and Amanda Nunes. Then at number three, Damian Maya. I, I brought him up earlier. Damian Maya, you already knew. What type, of, what type of ground game he have, had the jiu-jitsu. Even Anderson Silva, who was actually good on the ground, knew better than to go to the ground with him. At number two, Charles Oliveira. I think he has 14 oh submissions. I think he what, he's, the, oh he's the leader in the UFC in submission wins, right? And at number one, got to go with my guy, Gracie. Because you know and I know He's mm. the whole reason mm. for this. He was submitting mm. people that was like 250 mm. back in the day before mm. the UFC had any mm. sense, before mm. Dana White was bald-headed and swole that. and fixed his teeth. He oh was the man God. that started it all. Everybody understood mm. that if you went in there against Gracie, you had trouble. My list is for sure better than your list. It's not even mm. going to be close because you're going to start mm. with Khabib at number one and you're going to finish <laughs> with Islam Makachev at number five. We already know. Ryan. Hey. Thank you. You know the slow clap? You know that Thank slow you. clap? Hey, that slow clap whenever you had the opera or when you're doing some stuff that you never thought you would do in your life, you know, with that money has allowed for you to do going to plays and stuff, that slow clap, I give you one. But let me give you my list. <clears throat> At number five, I have a tie, Ryan. I have a tie. How do you? Of course I have a tie. <laughs> right, of course. Ryan, 
I have a tie at number five. I'm going Frank Mir and Big Nog. Big Nog also had a ton of submissions in the octagon, and he was good. At number four, Mackenzie Dern. Mackenzie Dern has the only leg lock submission in UFC female fighting history. She has four submissions tied for the most in the weight class's history, maybe the most in the history of the weight class. At number three, I'm going Fabricio Verdun. Oh, good He one. submitted Cain Velasquez in a UFC championship Verdun. fight. Not only that, though, you can't forget about the submission of Fedor Emelianenko and, and Strike Force yeah. and all those other places. At number two, I got Ronda Rousey because who was not only submitting everybody with the same move, but also timing it. Do you remember when she used to walk out there with a timer? Her coach would walk out there with a stopwatch, <laughs> and she would try to beat the time from the fight before. And I, I'll never forget the first title fight she had against Liz Carmouche. In mm. Anaheim. And it was crazy. For her to be fighting in Southern California, it it was just game changing. And for Ronda to win in the way that she did was uh DC, was, was, was that what, what was it? And was it was it Kermooch or or Misha Tate just, that got her back? That got Ronda's back early in the fight. No, it was Liz. Liz got her back. Got her back. Carmouche early. got her back. Yeah, and then she yeah. came back and she hit her with the arm bar. And last, I gotta agree with you, Hoyce Gracie. I mean, he's the king of submission. So that's my list. So, I, so basically, I, I forgot Charles Oliveira. I forgot Charles Oliveira, and I think that's what's going to lose it for me. I'm actually going to admit that you got me because I forgot the guy with the most submissions in UFC history, Charles Dubronx Oliveira. And the moment you said it, the moment you said it, you know when you got like that big swallow? I had that big swallow, and it just really, I was like, God dang it, he got me. You know who used to do this? Kobe being Bryant. That's what yeah, I feel Kobe like right me. now. Kobe also, DC, yeah, I'm actually I'm actually shocked. Um did you call Kobe before this and say, "Listen, I really want to put you at number 1 on this list. You know you're my favorite fighter of all time. I truly don't Man. believe any of these people are better than you, but RC is giving me a lot of crap all the time about loving you more than I love myself, and so I can't really put you on this list. Like, you, did you text him? Like, do, do they do no, they text no, no. in Dagestan? Like, I don't know. No, no, you know? I just, I just, uh, they text, they text, yeah, but okay. you know, I never thought about him for this list. You know, he died, he dominated, he submitted people, but we're talking about the greatest submission artist in the history of the game, and and I didn't have him up there in terms of grappling dominance. Yes, but in terms of Straight submissions, I can't easily say that he would have been on the list. But I, I, honestly, hey, you uh, you got it, dog. You got it. You know, now I have to kind of, you know, take a deep breath. I need to relax, right? And how do I relax? Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Now, Ryan, not only is Mackenzie Dern fighting... Marina Rodriguez, my boy Deron Wynn, also going to be making his return to the Octagon fight against a very tough Phil Hawes. Big fight for Deron. 
big fight card this weekend. I cannot wait to watch it from the comforts of my home. I've been working so much. Ryan, you know what time it is. We've arrived at that time. We've arrived at that time of the show. <laughs> it's time to tap in or tap out. And Corporate Jake, join us, my friend. Jorge Majidal says that he is moving on from a potential Leon Edwards bout. RC, tap in or tap out on Majidal making this stand? Um, I, I tap in on it because I think at some point you got to call it quits. At some point you got to say, you know what, this dude doesn't necessarily want to fight me and I need to start at least behaving like it was my decision to move on. Obviously, Leon feels that he's too high in the rankings to fight a guy like Jorge Masvidal. He believes that he deserves the opportunity to face Kamaru Usman for the belt and fighting Jorge Masvidal would be beneath him. And so if he's going to feel this way, if he's going to behave this way, you can't keep, after a while, calling a dude out constantly ends up becoming begging. And if you're Jorge Masvidal, if you're Street Jesus, you never want it to be that you're begging for a fight or you're looking to someone else to give you relevance in the weight class. RC, I'm tapping out. Because how in the world can you move on from somebody when they begged for you for a year? Mom, like Leon Edwards, when that two-piece in the biscuit thing that he did, right. that's when that fight was at the heart of its rivalry. Right. But at that time, he was the man. He was fighting for the belt, so he didn't want to look at Leon. Why in the world should Leon Edwards not want to look back to you guys? And I'm saying you guys because Gilbert Burns, too. Gilbert Burns is guilty of this. They did not want to talk about Leon Edwards at all whenever they were the ones on the short list for a championship fight. Right. Now Leon is the guy in that position, and they want to call him out. No, Leon. Rocky, get the title shot that you so justly deserve. Don't waste your time. I'm tapping out, Ryan. Corporate Jake. Sean O'Malley has his next fight booked, but not against anyone he's been calling out in the top 10. So, DC, tap in or out. O'Malley fighting another non-big-name fighter. You know what? I got to tap in because he's fighting a ranked fighter for the first time. When you look at Hyolin Paiva, he's a guy that's ranked. He's not top 10, but he's like right around 14, 15. So, now O'Malley's finally fighting a ranked guy. And when he wins, if he wins, he'll be in the rankings. So now he'll have no choice but to start the fight up towards the top 10 of the division. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Sean O'Malley, I, I'm going to tap in on this because Sean O'Malley was kind of calling for some names that he didn't necessarily deserve by the wins he already had in the UFC. Pavi is coming off of a very exciting fight of a fight that he, you know, he was rocked in and he had to come back and, and show some, so, so, some, some way to fight through adversity and show some toughness. And so now you have a guy in Sean O'Malley who, whose stardom probably outweighs his record or his stardom probably outweighs his opponents. And so now to get him in a fight against a ranked opponent, even though it's not top 10, it at least says now we are ascending in our, in, in our choice of, of opponent. We are now getting to a point to where we're going to start fighting some dudes who could put us in real danger. And so I'm excited about this. I'm excited about this matchup, and I'm definitely tapping in. I'll be tuned in to see Sean O'Malley take the, to the octagon his next fight. Yeah, that's a good fight for him. And Corporate Jake, hit us with another one. So on Sunday, we saw the Ravens go against the unwritten rules of football by attempting to keep a streak alive rather than take a knee at the end of the game. RC, tap in or tap out on abiding by unwritten rules in sports? I tap out on that. I absolutely tap out on unwritten rules. Unwritten rules are stupid, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like baseball. They don't want you to bat flip. 
Well, why in the hell am I not going <laughs> to flip this bat when you just pitched this ball 100 miles an hour and I hit it 400 feet? I should be able to flip the bat. I should be able to backflip if I want to backflip. Do all that stuff, <laughs> right? Like the stupid taunting rule, right? If I make a play on you, last night, Darren Waller on Monday Night Football, he spikes the ball and that's taunting? No, you should have covered him. And so for me, if John Harbaugh, with a game is when a game is already won, is going to run former MVP and franchise quarterback Lamar Jackson on a quarterback sweep on a called quarterback run. Guess what? I'm getting in a sprinter stance and I'm trying to run through everybody and hit Lamar Jackson in his face mask. If you <laughs> want people to stop doing things that you feel like are part of the unwritten rules of a sport. Tell you what you do, bust them in their face. I bet they stopped in. So for me, nah, you ain't got to abide by the rules and neither do I. If you want to run him late in the game, I could try to kill him late in the game. So nope, I'm tapping out on this. Hey, RC, I'm tapping out. RC, I'm actually tapping out too. Because we play video games, I'm still trying to score. Yeah. And if I almost got a triple-double in the NBA and all I got to do is get a rebound, I'm hoping that my teammate lets me get that rebound. If I don't get the trash talk after fighting because it's supposed to be all – uh, kumbaya after the match, I'm talking trash. I don't like unwritten rules because I feel like they're in place to protect somebody's feelings. The only way to keep your feelings protected is by ensuring that nobody has the opportunity to hurt them. Yep. So I'm tapping out on unwritten rules in sports. And Coach Harbaugh, keep your streak alive. Because now I think they're at 100 games or something like that no. where, they've, where they've had 100 yards yeah. rushing every single time. So it's I'm a record. tapping out. Yeah, like they, they've tied the record. So we're talking about tapping out, right? Because obviously that's a part of your sport. That's a part of the sport you are a future Hall of Famer in. Are there any unwritten rules in MMA? Because it seems like it would be hard to have rules in a sport that's a combat sport where it's mano a mano, well, two individuals in the octagon. You're not supposed to hit a guy whenever they go to bump. You know how they all go to bump before the fight starts? Like yeah. You're not supposed to hit a guy. We've seen that a few times. Um, uh you're not supposed to talk trash. You don't really talk trash after. Even if you got beef, I see everybody want to see everybody come together and hug. Like, right. No, nah, I'm not into all those. Like, those are probably the unwritten rules. There are some things, hey, what happens in the gym stays in the gym. That's one that you kind of try to abide by for sure. Right. You don't want to bring those gym stories out into the world. So you mean like uh, like if a dude gets put to sleep sparring or something like that? Yeah, you don't want to. Yeah, you don't okay. want to get, you don't want to start talking about knocking somebody out in practice. That's why TJ Dillashaw and, Cody Garbrandt got so 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 nasty because Cody kept talking about him knocking TJ out. I think they might have even released the footage oh, okay. of TJ getting knocked out in practice. You know, those are some of the unwritten so, rules so, in mixed martial arts. So it was like 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 that series you were about to be in Warrior, where they released the footage of of the gym when my man yeah. was fighting for two hundred dollars and he put he knocked dude out and that's how he got to be a part <laughs> of the whole Kumite or whatever it was. I mean that's yeah. Bloodsport, which is a <laughs> great movie too. You know Bloodsport what I mean? was a great movie, yes. So Corporate Jake, tee us up one more time, man. Speaking of combat sports, a big time trilogy takes place Saturday night between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. DC, you know a thing or two about trilogies. Tap in or tap out on this third fight going differently than the second. No, I don't think it's tapping out. I don't think it's going differently. I wish Deontay Wilder would have taken a fight in the meantime. Mm -hmm. Because Tyson Fury, the first fight, Tyson Fury was putting it on him. And then Deontay dropped him late in order to make it a draw. The second fight, Tyson literally just put it on him the whole time. So if I'm a fan of Deontay Wilder, 
I'm, I mean, as I am, I'm tapping out. Deontay and I were on the Olympic team together. I'm tapping out of that fight. I wish you would have did something different. I don't believe it's going to be much different. I saw Tyson Fury in an interview yesterday, and he seems so focused. He seems so locked in, and he really feels like he wants to kill Deontay Wilder. And um, he's a big guy, way too heavy for Wilder. And um, I envision the fight's going to look very, very similar to the second fight. I'm tapping out, DC, and I'm tapping out sadly. Because I enjoy watching Deontay Wilder fight. I, I enjoy yeah. watching somebody who I don't necessarily think ha has the greatest of boxing skill. He doesn't necessarily have the traditional heavyweight body. But when he puts the gloves on someone, they fall. And you're exactly yes. right about the, the first fight. Tyson, Tyson Fury is, is, in the words of Lennox Lewis, a pugilist specialist. Tyson yes. Fury understands the game of boxing. He understands how to hit and not get hit. And that was Deontay Wilder's one opportunity. When he dropped Tyson late in that fight, and then Tyson got up like the Undertaker. How did he get that, up? That was how it. How did he get up? You know like, I mean? how did he get up? Like, how did he get up from that? He was just supposed Crazy to, bro. bro. He was just supposed <laughs> to. And, and so now, and so you think about the, the last fight and the way it went, Deontay Wilder saying his his, his walk-in outfit was too heavy and his legs were shot. I think if I were hearing that Deontay Wilder was doing something way different than he's ever done, if he was training differently, if he was working with different boxing and defensive specialists, I think I'd feel differently about this fight. But keeping the same thing, the same thing, and the main thing, the main thing, you have to go with Tyson Fury with another win over Deontay Wilder. Yeah, you got to, man. And, it's, and like you said, it's sad because Deontay never really was the technical boxer. Yes. But you know that with the power that he possessed, he could put anybody out. So it's going to be a great fight weekend. And I think this is the biggest boxing fight that you could have right now. You watch that live on pay-per-view, ESPNplus.com slash pay-per-view. Wilder and Fury, for the third time, the trilogy gets completed on this weekend. Biggest fight in boxing because Anthony Joshua completely blew it two weeks ago. So this is the biggest fight that we get. The heavyweight championship of the world, the baddest man on the planet gets decided this weekend. Also, tune in to watch Marina Rodriguez mm -hmm. take on Mackenzie Dern to see who, Ryan, may be the next to challenge for the UFC strawweight championship. Now, for the first time in the show's history, RC, I openly say, my friend, you won the list. First off, the only reason I never win any other time is because Jake makes some draft and you take my people and they always let you go first. <laughs> and so right now I want to thank my mom for giving me Google and allowing me to be able to go back and look through and find all these great fighters. I want to thank DC, this Corporate right Jake, here, and Glenn for the opportunity. This really means a lot to me. Uh, I'm oh going to have the DC God. and RC list belt. I'm going to get it made this week. I'll have it on the show next week. Hey, man, you're supposed to win with class. But I mean, with that get up that you're wearing right now, you look very sophisticated. I'm not. You look sophisticated, but you are not acting like that. Bro, you win with I'm class, from the West Bank. Right? I'm from like the West Bank of New Orleans. You're, Nobody's are, ever considered a, that class. Hey, you need to learn to win and act like you've been here before, man. It's like a defensive player scoring a touchdown. Y'all hey, dancing. I, I want shimmy. to apologize to absolutely no one. Oh, my God. Now you got him, McGregor. Now you got him, McGregor. For Ryan Clark, I'm Daniel Cormier. Until next week, we'll see you guys next time. Peace.